Well, uh, hello, my name is Jarrett Stevens, or as my wife just referred to me, at uh, Pastor Jarrett. Uh, she's never called me Pastor Jarrett before, and so I like the sound of that. I'm going to have her call me that at home, too. Um, let's see how that goes over. Uh, well, welcome, especially to those of you in Overflow right now. Thank you so much for staying with us and sticking with us. Hopefully, you're enjoying the newly renovated uh, Overflow room, our corner classroom, uh, as we're making room around here. Uh, We are in the middle of a six-week series that we are kicking off the year with and asking God to awaken things in us that either might have died or that we might not have ever been aware of before. We're asking God to speak in, and as we do, we're opening ourselves up and saying, God, what is it that you want to teach me? How is it, God, that you want to grow me? And ultimately, God, how is it that you want to transform me more into the image of your son, Jesus, and more into the life that you've actually created me to live? And so we set up a, a website uh, where you can go all throughout the week and, and read scripture and encouragement and challenges from the series. And we've also uh, committed to memory of verse. We've actually said that we believe the power of the Bible and that it is truth that transforms our lives. And so we have one verse that's guiding us over these six weeks. And so you may just be hopping in right now to the series. This is new to you, but if you were here last week or if you've listened online, you know that we are memorizing and committing to memory a passage from the book of Isaiah. In fact, it's Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And so we would ask that you would literally write this down, write this reference down. It's on the website. You can get it. But we want to commit this to memory because I think it's a powerful, powerful verse for us to keep in mind as we start this new year. And so we're going to say it right now. We're going to read it off the screen. But for those of you who are teacher's pets, you can say it with your eyes closed right now just to show off to everyone else because you've already memorized it. But let's read this out loud together. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Look, for those of you who in that last conversation Jeannie led us through who've already blown your resolutions, there's hope from God's word right there. Forget the former things. It's okay. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Now it rises up. Don't you, don't you see it? I don't want you to miss it. And what we're going to be looking at This week, as it applies to our lives from God's word, is the reality of a new thing that God has actually had at work from the very creation of this world. And he unleashed on this world about 2,000 years ago as a brand new thing. And it's just as new and just as vital and just as important for us today as it always has been. And that's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This new thing that God is doing in us to make us new people. And so I would love right now if we could just stop for a second and acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in our church right now, and we'll then continue on with what God has. But let's pray for a second right now. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are already here. We don't invite you into our presence, but we step into yours. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken something in our lives, awaken something in our church. And God, by your grace, awaken something in this city. We open ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. Now illuminate truth to us. Connect the dots between our head and our heart and our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, it's the start of a new year, and a lot of people have a lot of resolutions about their life. We've talked about this. You know that about 70% of resolution lists that are made have something to do with diet or health. And about 10% of those actually keep them. 
And if I was thinking about that, all kinds of some of the crazy stuff that people do this time of year, I was thinking about this. I want you to think about this too. If someone asked you as kind of a resolution or a new kind of start to, to your health this year to skip every third meal, how do you think you would do? If you had to go every day and skip every third meal. Now, thankfully, some of the guys have already figured out Taco Bell's there for you. Fourth meal has got you covered. All right, you, technicality, you got me on that one. What if you had to skip every third meal? How long do you think you'd last doing that? What if someone came to you and said, look, global warming is obviously a reality. Just like we haven't had any snow in Chicago this winter. And so we need to conserve water. I want you to skip every third shower this week. I want you to skip every third shower. How would you do? Or better yet, how would the people around you do with you doing that? For some of you, that's actually better than you're already doing. That's more than you're already doing. So that's all right. All right, what if you had to, tomorrow at, at work, what if you had to skip every third word when you talked? Or in every email you wrote, you had to consciously skip every third word. Would that be hard to do? It'd be, it'd be hard, wouldn't it? And my hunch is people would kind of get the gist of what you're saying, but they may not fully understand, and it would be really kind of difficult and awkward for you to do. In fact, I actually pulled a couple texts that are really important to the foundation of our country and very timely for us to look at right now. And I've taken out every third word, and I'm actually going to have us read them out loud. I don't want you to read them from what you remember. I want you to read them actually as they are on the screen and see how kind of awkward it is to take out every third word of a sentence or a thought. So we'll start with this one, see if you recognize it. Can we read this out loud together? Four score, seven years, our fathers, fourth on continent, a nation conceived, liberty, and to the that all are created. All right, now this actually reads like some of your uh, text messages and emails read, right? Same kind of basic concept here. It's, it, you get the gist, and everyone knows what that is, Gettysburg Address, right? You know what that is, but it's, it's not quite the same. It lacks the, the power and potency. Well, let's look at this one, very timely for where we're at this time of year. Out loud, I have dreamed that for little will one live in nation where will not judged by color of skin, but the content their character. Now again, you know that this is the I have a dream speech from Dr. Martin Luther King, as if he were a caveman. I mean, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite read the same, does it? You can kind of get the gist of it. It's not the same, is it? It doesn't have that power and literally nation-changing power that his speech does. Let's do another kind of central text to the foundation of our country. Let's read it out loud together. On your ready, set, go. Dance, pro, I, you know. Go, psycho, my new hit. Just sit, got a jiggy wit. Not quite the same, is it? Not nearly as powerful. And sadly, my hunch is you probably know more of the lyrics to that song than you do those other two speeches. That's okay. There's grace. It's okay. It's okay. It makes us the nation we are today. It's okay. Now, you can kind of get the idea, and you can get it, kind of put the pieces together, but it's awkward to say out loud, isn't it? And it'd be even more awkward if you had to sort of try and live that way, skipping every third word. And yet, ironically, and interestingly enough, for so many Christians— this is how they live their life when it comes to their relationship with God. Missing a full third of who God is. Skipping over an incredibly vital and important part of life as God created you to live. And that is the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Trinity breaks down basically into God in three sort of unique persons and forms. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And many Christians live their lives 
with a two-thirds sort of faith, skipping over, missing out on this incredibly life-changing, transforming power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Even though the Holy Spirit is fully a member of the Trinity, always has been, always will be, even though this is how God chooses to interact with us through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, many of us miss out. We acknowledge the concept of God. We sort of accept the idea of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit we know very little about and therefore experience very little of. Sadly, many Christians today, many Christians today, when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is not explored by many Christians today. And so therefore, the reality of the Holy Spirit is not experienced by many Christians today. We have a two-thirds kind of faith, skipping over every third word and missing out on the fullness of God and the fullness of the life that he created you for. Even though in the Bible there are over a hundred verses that reference and speak to and describe the reality of the Holy Spirit. Even though Jesus himself speaks again and again and again to the reality of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus speaks more to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit than he does to all of the other hotbed issues that seem to distract us today. All of those combined. He speaks more to the Holy Spirit than those things. In fact, what he did towards the end of his time here on earth, as he realized that as the Father had sent him to give his life for us on the cross to be crucified and raised by God from the dead, he knew that he needed to prepare his followers for the reality of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he said to them again and again and again, this is going to happen. In fact, he said, it's better that I go because there is one who is coming who is greater than I. You will This will change. God is going to awaken a new way for you to have a relationship with him. And it's through the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's one passage I want us to kind of kick off from this morning. It's in John 14. So if you would grab a Bible, we're going to look at how Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. This all too often forgotten God. This missing equation to our two-thirds faith. John 14, if you want, if you didn't bring a Bible, can you please grab a blue Bible? I want us to all be kind of jumping off and playing from the same playbook here. It's page 752 in the blue Bible. Seriously, go ahead and grab it out. Grab a pen because we're going to be underlining some stuff, writing some stuff. Yes, we're going to put it on the screen, but I want you to be able to look at this for yourself and determine what you believe to be true about the Holy Spirit is based on God's Word. Jesus, in preparing his disciples just hours before and days before he would be arrested and and, and tried and then ultimately crucified and raised by God from the dead, is speaking about the Holy Spirit, teaching us and them about the Holy Spirit. This is John 14, starting in verse 16. Look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. I will ask the who? Father. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to what? Help you and be what? with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Now just hit pause right there. That one sentence, that one sentence that Jesus just spoke contains the fullness of the power of the Trinity. I, Jesus the Son, will ask God the Father to send you another advocate, someone who will care for you, who will be for you. And this is the Holy Spirit who will help you is the word that Jesus uses there and who will be with you forever. Jesus knew, I am, not, I am not going to stay on earth, but there is one who's coming who will be with you forever. goes on to say this, the world cannot accept him because it, it neither 
sees him or knows him. But you know him. This is very interesting. I don't know how much the disciples understood about the theology of the Trinity at this point. I don't know how much they understood about the role and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is saying something very significant. You already know the Holy Spirit because you know me. You already know the Father because you know me. We are all one. So I am sending you this Holy Spirit. You already know him. And this is very interesting. For he lives, what's the word there? With you and will be, everyone, in you. Underline, circle that. He will be, he'll live with you and will be. Now this is a game changer, in you. It's where the story of God takes a dramatic turn. God will now no longer sort of be out there, or as Jesus says, God will no longer sort of be with you right here in bodily form, but God himself will be in you through the Holy Spirit. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is something that's spoken to again and again and again throughout Scripture, spoken to a lot by Jesus, that we would not miss this and go through life with a two-thirds faith. Power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is talked about throughout the Bible, and there's a couple roles that the Holy Spirit uniquely plays in our lives, in the lives of those of us who are followers of Jesus. A couple that I just want to highlight for the next few minutes. Holy Spirit, at work in your life, awakens things in you. The Holy Spirit awakens comfort. The, the, the reminder of the reality that there's a God who loves you and is, as Jesus said, with you and in you. Jesus used the words, he is an advocate to help you. He awakens comfort when we're defeated, when we're discouraged, when we feel abandoned and alone. We know No, 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 there's not a God who's out there. There's a God who's in here with me, my helper, my comfort. The Bible also teaches that he he awakens counsel in us, good counsel, instruction, direction, teaches, illuminates things to us. You know, it's so amazing about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that maybe you weren't aware of is as we just read together from God's word from this passage, the only way that that's going to connect from your head to your heart and awaken something and actually cause transformation in your life is the work of the Holy Spirit right now in this place. Holy Spirit is here, working for you, with you, in you, to give you godly counsel, instruction, direction, to teach you, to inform you, to instruct you, to prepare you all the time, always, everyone who's in a relationship with God. Holy Spirit awakens in us conviction, awakens conviction in us. When you kind of feel yourself drifting, when you feel that temptation come and there's that thing that kind of springs up that goes, wait, wait, hold up, time out. And you may think, oh yeah, it's just kind of my conscience. No, not for a believer of Jesus, not for a follower of Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit awakening conviction saying, no, 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 remember God made you for more than this. Remember God loves you more than this. Remember you are worth more than this. That's conviction that is prompted and stirred by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit awakens a connection between us and God and us and each other. That the Holy Spirit literally awakens a connection that you could not otherwise have with God. 
As Jesus said, he's your advocate who is literally working for you on your behalf. In fact, this passage in Romans talks about where we get to a point where we don't even know, like we want to pray to God and we feel so defeated and so depleted and so discouraged. We don't even have words to say to God. Anyone ever been in that place before? You don't even know what to say. You don't even know where God is. Guess what the Holy Spirit does? Speaks for you on your behalf to God. The Spirit goes to the Father and says, this is what is going on in your son or your daughter's soul. And the Spirit has words for you when your mouth can't even formulate them. That's how much the Spirit works for you, connecting you to the Father and connecting us to each other. It's a beautiful thing that two strangers who've never met before can sit down from each, across from each other over a cup of coffee, having never met, but having the power and presence of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives, and they can have a connection that is deeper than anything else they could possibly explain on their own. And it's not because they, like, they watched like, you know, a great show that helped them do this or went to a seminar to help them learn how to ask better questions. No, it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work connecting people who follow Jesus to each other. So much so, in fact, that after an hour of being together, there is a closeness and a oneness that simply cannot be explained in earthly terms. Where else does that happen? It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work comforting us, counseling us, convicting us, connecting us to God and to each other. Jesus said so clearly, look, everything that the Father has, he's given to me. He's given me all authority, everything. And everything I have, I'm giving to the Spirit. And, this is very important, everything the Spirit has, he gives to you. He gives to you, to you, to me. The scripture teaches that God pours his spirit out, the Holy Spirit out, equally to all people. To all people, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your story and your past, regardless of how bad you've messed up or how good you've tried, how hard you've tried to be good. Scripture teaches that God pours his Holy Spirit out equally to all people. That there's not certain more spiritual people that get the Holy Spirit more. Now, they may be more open to the Holy Spirit's work in their life or dependent on the Holy Spirit's work in their life, but no one gets more Holy Spirit than someone else. It is fully available to all people who enter into a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is how God lives in us and works through us, guiding and guarding and loving and leading and directing our lives. So why would, when we hear this, the reality of God, fullness of God in us, guiding, guarding, loving, leading our lives, why would anyone want to skip every third word? Why would anyone go, no, that's, that's good, that sounds fantastic. I'm going to choose this, though. And yet so often that's what we do. So often what we do when we kind of face the gap of a two-thirds God is we fill in the blank with another word. That word is religion. Ugh. Religion. Why? Why would we settle for something like religion compared to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Why? And yet that's our, for some reason, that's our tendency. That's our default. That's what we go back to. I got to do 
more for God. I got to be more religious. I got to make up for things. I got I to carry all this guilt and, and, and regret from the, the past. And so what we do when we don't know what to do about our missing third of God is we just fill in the blank with religion. Why? Because honestly, it's a little bit easier. The lines are a little bit more clearly drawn. Boundaries are a little bit more set. I can kind of figure out how to cross my T's and dot my I's and jump through the hoops. Whether I actually do it or not, it's a totally different story. But at least I know the game plan. And this is what I have to do to sort of impress God or get his attention or win his affection. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. But yet this is our default mode. When we feel like we've kind of gotten out of step, we revert to religion. And what is religion? What's the way of religion? Maybe you've grown up this way. Maybe you know this all too well. The way of religion is simply this. Keep in line. Just keep in line. Don't just, don't just keep in line. This is how we do things. Please don't do things the other way. Everyone move in an orderly fashion towards the... This is how we do it. Just keep in line. Don't mess up. Keep a list. You got to keep a list of all these things you got to do and all these things that you don't do. We don't do this. If those of us who keep in line don't do these things. So you have this kind of list that you have to keep going. Okay, we can't do this, but we can do this. I can't do this, but I can do this right up to the line. I'm going to do as much of this as I can do without doing that. And so we keep our list of all the things we do. And we also tend to keep a list of all the things that we've done wrong. And we carry that list with us. Oh, I messed up at this and I messed up at this, so I got to make it up to God. Last week when we offered prayer at the end of our service and throughout the week, as I've prayed for many of you, as you fill out cards asking for a grace-based relationship with Jesus, you know the number one thing is that I prayed for and continue to pray for you throughout this week is guilt from my past. That is, friends, that is the weight of a list that you've carried with you. You know, I did this in college. I did, in fact, I did so much stuff in college, I can't even remember half the stuff I did. I did this to my spouse. I did this at work. And so I've got to keep my list. And then what religion tells you is, well, you clearly didn't make the list. You didn't keep in line, so you've got to keep on trying. Keep on trying. Keep on jumping higher. Keep on trying harder. This is the way of the religion, the way of religion. And the reason I know this is because I'm a recovering religious addict. I grew up a religious kid. Maybe you grew up around church. Maybe you, you didn't. But, it, but if you did, you might know what I'm talking about. I grew up in this way of trying to get God's attention by doing a bunch of things for him. And very early on, at a great church, I love the church I grew up at, so thankful for that. But somewhere along the way, this is what I thought God wanted from me. It was the way of religion. And what I thought and what I learned that God really, really wanted from me and what matters most to God and what the Lord requires of thee is good attendance. And so I got to show up every Sunday. Oh, we got Wednesday things too? Okay, I'll go on Wednesday. Oh, wait, now there's a Saturday thing? All right, I'll go on Saturday. My, I'm, at a very, I'm like seven and I have a very full schedule with church activities. And so this is what I thought. This is what God values is attendance. And I got to go and I got to show up and I got to be there. And when I show up, I got to put on a good face and make sure that I'm kind of, you know, all dressed up and make sure I'm not messing up. You know, that's kind of the thing. So I got to get, this is what matters to God is I got to put on a good appearance. Okay, so we get dressed up for church and I understand that. There's a reason behind that. But I mean, I'm like, I'm, you know, 
guy, little kid growing up, and this is not the stuff I wear six other days out of the week, but on Sunday, there's a clip-on tie that magically floats towards my neck and clasps itself to my throat, and so I got to wear this, and we got to get all dressed up and wear these clothes I don't wear the rest of the week, and then I got to make sure I don't mess up, and so I spent most of my teenage years working really, really, really hard to not mess up. Instead of taking ground with God, I just fought to hold my ground and not mess up. Most of my teenage years. And by the time I got to college, I was exhausted. And then you get to college and you look around like, oh, y'all are doing this? Like, and no one seems to feel guilty? And I remember just talking with folks and getting to know folks. And I'm like, oh, you guys seem to be having a fantastic time. (laughs) I've worked really hard to avoid all of this. And what I found is I just found, I was so frustrated. I'm like, God, this is what, I've worked this hard for is an empty and judgmental heart. You know, a friend of mine says, and I think he says it very, very well, the reason that most Christians are as judgmental as they are is simply because they're jealous. They wish they could be doing what everyone else was doing and having a lot of fun at it. But religion has told them, no, you've got to keep in line, keep a list. Keep in check, keep on trying, keep working harder. This is the way of religion. This is the way of religion. And maybe you know it all too well, or you've come across it at least in your life or in your family or with some friends. There has to be a better way than that, a more life-giving way than that. You know, outside of Jesus, in the Bible, no one speaks more to the power and presence of another way than the Apostle Paul. In fact, no one describes the Holy Spirit more than Jesus other than the Apostle Paul. And he is someone who, you think, I'm a recovering religious addict. He was the worst of the worst of the best of the best. He worked so hard to climb the religious ladder and to become a religious leader in his day. And he finally got all the way to the top above everyone else. And what he found there waiting for him was Jesus, who pulled the ladder out from underneath him and gave him a new way, changed his life, a new way, a better way. And so in his writings throughout the New Testament, about half the New Testament, over half the New Testament, is written by him. And you can understand it more when you understand that he's a recovering religious addict writing from a grace-based relationship with Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit at work in his life. And so he's writing a letter to his friends at a church in Galatia. And they're having to struggle with what it really means to belong to God but live in this world. And there's a lot of tension that comes with that, as we all know, right? And so he's writing to that tension. In fact, I want you to turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. In the blue Bible, it's page 816. I want you to look at how he speaks of this other way that is made available to every single one of us by God through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. This is in Galatians chapter 5, page 816, as I said in the blue Bible. Paul is speaking to the tension of how it is that we live, even with our sinful desires, in this world? Do we go the way of religion or do we go the way of the Spirit? Look what he says here. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. He says, look, so I say, so I say, given all this that he'd already been talking about and given all that he'd already learned and experienced through the Holy Spirit in his life, so I say, 
Walk by the who? Spirit. Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is his big game plan. This is his big strategy. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't even want to gratify the desires of the flesh. Sounds good, doesn't it? Walk by the Spirit. You'll not even gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. We all know that. They're at conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. We're going to talk about this next week. But, Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what's the law that he's referring to? This is religion at its essence. This is the lists. This is the I gotta, I shoulda, I coulda, I woulda, I didn't, so I'm doing it all over again. The law is there to remind us that we cannot do it on our own. This is what religion does. This is why religion never leads to life like life in the Spirit. Paul says, look, when you, are live, you live under the Spirit, you are led by the Spirit, there is no religion that can hold you back or hold you down. There isn't. In fact, he goes on to describe what this life with the Spirit looks like. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, which is another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there, there is no law. This is what the Spirit does when we open our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit in us, through us, for us. Something grows in us. That God grows in us. Not that we have to work harder. And you can, those of you who are recovering religious addicts, you see these verses, you go, ha, 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 good. There's my list. What do I got to do? I got to do love, got to do joy, got to do pace. Okay, good, good. I can do that. I can do that. I'm going to be a really patient person. Like no one ever becomes patient by willing it to be. It doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. Those people, that just doesn't happen. But God can do that work in you through the Holy Spirit. And season after season, you become more loving, more gentle, kinder, more self-controlled. As you yield yourself to the work of the Spirit, day after day, year after year, as you're led by the Spirit, so much so in fact that people look at you and go, I remember you used to be so judgmental. I remember how you used to talk. I remember how I felt around you. What are you, what are you doing? What, are you, what, 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 what changed? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm walking with the Spirit. Awesome. Sounds so easy. I remember you. You used to be so, God, money drove you, defined you. All you wanted was more. In some pursuit to prove yourself to God knows who. But now you're generous. You're so generous. You're so free with your stuff. What book did you read? How did you, was there like an Oprah thing that happened to you? Like what (laughs) happened? I don't know. I just kept opening my life up to the Holy Spirit. I kept staying with and being led by. And he did this work in me. This is what happens. It's like what John Ortberg talks about. It's the difference between trying harder and trying softer. Religion is trying harder. 
I've got to be more loving. I've got to be more patient. I've got to be more gentle. But the way of the Spirit says, no, let me grow these things in you. Open yourself to me. Keep in step with me. Walk with me. And I will grow these things in you. In fact, look at what Paul says in Galatians 5.25. He says these words. Since, that means therefore it is already true. Since, since this is already understood and accepted. Since we live by the Spirit. Let us what? Keep in step with the Spirit. This is Paul's big strategy, by the way. This is about as practical as he's going to get in this passage. You want to know what his three-step strategy is to walking in the Spirit? Keep in step. Keep in step. Drives religious people crazy. But it's the life that God actually has created for us to live in harmony with Him. Keep in step. Since we already have the fullness of God made available to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit in us, then just keep in step with what the Spirit is doing. Remember the way of religion. We, we all know. Keep in line. Keep a list. Keep on trying. That's the way of religion. The way of the Spirit is entirely different. Keep in step. This is the life that God wants to awaken in you. A life that is in step with the work that He is doing in you, for you, through you. This is what God longs to do in every single one of us who are in a relationship with Jesus. This is what's available to every single one of us, that we can actually keep in step with the Holy Spirit. A couple years back, Gene and I realized that we were attending and also officiating a lot of different weddings. And there'd always come that moment where, you know, the slow dance would happen. And, you know, Gene would say, let's go out and dance. And, you know, Half the time we would, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't grow up with that. Remember, I grew up religious, so we didn't dance. And so I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to do that. And, and the other half the time, I'd kind of sit it out. And so we're like, you know what, let's take responsibility here. And so we got ourselves private dance, like dance lessons, you know, like, like slow kind of, I, I was very confused at first because she said, we're taking dance lessons. I was like, awesome. So I brought a big old piece of cardboard and I thought we were going to like do popping and locking and breaking and Clearly, that's not what she had in mind. So, so we had like slow dance kind of stuff. And so we had a private instructor. So it was just us and this instructor. And, and I had never done anything like this before. And so, you know, there we are. Trying, I felt like I was back in middle school. Like there we are kind of awkwardly trying to dance. And she's playing the music and she would model the steps for us. She'd say, okay, now do this, now do this. Now go ahead, now you do it together. And what was so funny is that as Jean and I would try and, and do that, very simple steps that she had just modeled to us, we kept kind of bumping into each other or we would, Oh, you know, over sort of step, or we'd step on each other's feet, and, you know, the instructor was kind of going, what, what, what's going on here? And as she watched us, she began to realize, oh, oh, okay, let's see, both of you are trying to lead this dance, and that's not the way it works. In these kind of dances, there's one leader, and the other person follows, and typically, lots of times, the guy is the leader in dancing. <laughs> not so in my marriage. <laughs> not so. And so the instructor would say, no, Jeannie, Jeannie, let him lead. Let him lead. She's like, okay, I'll let him lead. I'll let him lead. And then she'd be whispering, left, right. <laughs> like, she, like she's doing it again. Like I wanted to tell on her. And we just couldn't get her. In fact, I think we were the only couple to ever break this dance instructor. She like threw in the towel and point. She's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. She couldn't help us because we both kept trying to lead. And it was a very, very, very awkward thing. And you know that when you are dancing with someone and you're in that kind of place, 
You can feel really quickly when you're out of step, can't you? When you're out of rhythm or out of step, you know instantly. It's not something you realize like an hour later or the next day like, oh, that was really awkward. You know instantly. <laughs> you may regret it the next day, but you know instantly. Oh, yeah, we were out of step. That, there was something out of sync there. And there's not a lot of time to sort of justify it or rationalize or explain to your dance partner the reason that I'm out of step right now. You just don't have time to do that. You just get back in step as quickly as you can. You don't spend a lot of, waste a lot of time regretting it. You don't waste a lot of time mulling it over. You just get back in step. And I think for many of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, we're trying to lead. And we keep bumping up into God and bumping against the life he actually has for you. And God's saying, Shh, let me lead. And just keep in step. You just keep in step with me. I'll tell you where to go. I'll show you the next move. I'll let you know. But you keep in step with me. This is how the Holy Spirit works. Not embarking orders and commands and yelling and giving you lists and all that. No. Keep in step. Keep in step. And I will grow in you and I will do in you and through you things that you could never, ever, ever do on your own. Keep in step. Keep a constant connection to me. Live in daily dependence with me. This is the life that God has for every single one of us to keep in step with him. And so I'm going to invite the band up and I want us to just take a second and think about what it would look like for us to spend a week keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. To realize maybe the first right off the bat that you've been living with a two-thirds God. That you've sort of made it this far and you've nodded your head to God and you've yes to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit has remained largely a mystery to you. And maybe that's the best place for you to start is, I think I have a two-thirds God. And so I want to understand. I want to go back and read these passages again. I want to actually begin to pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me know you more so that I may keep in step with you more. What would it look like for you, for our whole church, to live in step with the Holy Spirit this week. I have a couple thoughts. You might want to jot these down. A couple thoughts for us to do together. Just see what happens. What if you started your day? What if you started your day? Like first thing when you wake up and you just said, maybe out loud, or you had written down right by your bed, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you are already here. That I don't have to sort of get, like kind of gear up or ramp up to get to God. God's already here the Holy Spirit. It's already present. In fact, Holy Spirit was there all night protecting you, providing you with every breath that you took, keeping every work in your body. Holy Spirit, already here. So you wake up saying, Holy Spirit, I believe you're already here. I don't have to wait. You're already here. And you go on throughout your day. Just little prayers. Maybe the a thing that you can do is set a little alarm on your phone or in your calendar to just pop up a couple times a day. Seriously, just try this and see what happens. And all it has to say is awaken to the Holy Spirit and see what happens. When you're in the middle of your workflow, you're in the middle of doing and doing and doing your thing, or maybe your thoughts are kind of drifting and taking you back towards the way of religion, which is do, do, do. And so you're kind of doing all that and you got that going in your head and all of a sudden something pops up and says awaken to the Holy Spirit and you go, oh yeah, that's right. You're here and I've gotten out of step with you. 
And so I want to get back in step with you right now. Just in this moment, I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, will you allow me to get back in step with you that I can live in harmony with you? What would it look like this week for you to look at the challenges that you face at your, in your life? Maybe at work, maybe in your relationship. It's difficult. It's harder than you thought. It's lonelier than you thought it would be. Times are tougher and tighter than you ever thought they'd be. It's real easy to kind of look at those things and go, well, that stinks, or that's hard, or that's... But what if you were to look at those things and go, okay, how are these challenges actual opportunities for you to grow me, Holy Spirit? This person that I'm ready to write off, okay, wait a second, no. What if you actually want to grow the fruit of patience in me? I'm feeling kind of tempted to pull pull this way or to go back to this old pattern, this old habit, this old addiction. Wait a second, stop. No. What if this is an opportunity for you to grow the fruit of self-control in me? I want to try softer right now. I want to invite you in. I want to make sure that I am keeping in step with you. Keeping in line, in step with you. Those challenges then become opportunities for growth. What about this week? If you were to go throughout this week, And every time you get one of those little promptings, for lack of a better word, hunches, nudges to call someone or to text someone or to say something to someone at at work or to say something to your partner, to say something to your roommate, what if you actually did it? What if you actually did it? I had a couple times this week where I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to text someone and just remind them that I'm praying for them. I mean, it was, I had no idea. And lots of times I'll send that and they'll send something back. Hey, thanks, that means a lot. But there are times where someone sends something back and says, how did you know? You have no idea how much I needed to know that someone was praying for me right now. How did you know? I'm keeping in step. And so what about when you receive those little promptings? You actually say yes to God this week. When the Holy Spirit stirs something up, you go, okay, I'll do it. I'll call. I'll, I'll talk to. I'll invite. I'll do whatever. And for those times where you find yourself getting out of step, you find that that relationship has pulled you back into that old pattern, you find that you once again believe that the world rests on your shoulders and has to be held together by you, that it's all about you, and you realize you are way out of step, like Holy Spirit's way over there doing a totally different dance. And you go, okay, instead of beating myself up, Instead of just sitting over in the corner or walking away or running from God or spending another season with my back turned to God, instead of doing that, I'm just going to come back and say, Holy Spirit, help me get back in step with you. What are you doing? How are you moving? What do I need to pay attention to so that I can keep in step with you? What would it look like for you to live a week in step with the Holy Spirit, ever aware, wherever you are, whoever you're with, that there is a God who's not only with you, but in you, working for you and through you. What a gift to have a full and complete and no longer a two-thirds God. And you know, we're going to celebrate right now something that Jesus prepared his disciples with, something we celebrate every month here at Soul City. We're going to celebrate communion. And Jesus knew and he prepared. He told his disciples. I mean, just shortly after the passage we read, he prepared his disciples and said, look, 
here's the reality. Everything I've told you is coming to pass. All of prophecy throughout all of Scripture is now about to be revealed through me in this moment. I am going to give my life for you. My body is going to be broken for you. My blood will be spilled for you to cover the weight of your sin. I am going to make a way for one to come who will be in you. And I don't ever want you to forget this. And so Jesus gathered at a last meal that he had with his followers, took table elements, common things, bread and wine. He said, look, let this image sink deep into your mind because we are forgetful people prone to getting out of step with God. He broke the bread and said, let this be a reminder of my body broken for you. That I actually came and I actually made myself available for you. Let this blood, this wine be a a reminder of my blood, literally the only perfect and pure sinless blood to ever flow through human veins. It's going to be spilled. It's going to be poured out. It's going to cover the debt and weight of your sin for you. Let it be a reminder for you that I am, this is how I am making a way for the Holy Spirit to come. And so we want to pay attention to that this morning. And so we're going to have some stations up here in the front where you can come and actually receive those same elements, bread and cup. And you just take a piece of the bread off and you dip it in the cup and it's a reminder for you. And maybe this is a time for you to practice keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Because maybe as you're sitting there and about to come forward, the Holy Spirit's going to convict. And there's going to be some sin that comes back that you have not dealt with with God. And you need to deal with it right now. You need to deal with it right now. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's some shame and some guilt from stuff that God already took care of years ago for you. You need to confess that you're still living bound by that shame and that guilt and ask God to free you right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to prompt something in you, remind you, counsel you, remind you of truth, of how loved you are, how important you are to Him. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to just sit still. Maybe He's going to prompt you to cry. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you when we sing to raise your hands, and you've never done that before in church, but you know that you don't want to miss being in step with the Spirit. And so I would ask, and can we agree together here and in Overflow as well, watching online, wherever you're at, that you wouldn't miss an opportunity to be present with the Holy Spirit and to keep in step with Him now. So let me pray for us, and then we'll come to the front. As always, we have gluten-free bread here to your left and to my right. And we don't want anyone to be excluded from the table, so that's right over here if you need that. Let me pray for us right now. God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. And we confess we just simply don't know enough. But we know this much. You have made a way for us to the Father, Jesus, through the Spirit, that you are here now, that you are stirring and moving and prompting and and convicting and comforting and doing all the work that only you can do that we could never do for ourselves on our own. And so we simply open ourselves up to you, Holy Spirit, maybe like never before in our lives. And we say we don't want to have an incomplete God or an incomplete faith and therefore an incomplete life, but we literally welcome you in. You've already been here. You've always been here, but we welcome you in. We acknowledge your presence. We say because of the body and the blood of Jesus, we now have a way to the Father and we have a way through this life. And we have much to be grateful for. And so now in this moment, we choose to get in step with you. To keep in step with you throughout this week. Throughout our lives. 
so that something might awaken in our lives and in this church and in this city. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. In your name, amen.